To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace. From God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, amen. Word of God upon which we base our message on this Transfiguration Sunday is the gospel for today. You heard it read before from Matthew 17. I recall just these words. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain where they could be alone. Jesus' appearance changed in front of them. His face became as bright as the sun and his clothes as white as the light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared to them. They were talking with Jesus. In the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, my beloved. So here we are at Transfiguration Sunday. Transfiguration Sunday always falls immediately before Ash Wednesday. Because as Jesus ascended that mountain, he also willingly descended the mountain to ascend another mountain, Mount Calvary. Actually, the word transfiguration in the Greek is metamorphosis. Jesus changed. For most of his ministry, he appeared just as an ordinary human being, but here he just let a little bit of his heavenly brilliance shine forth, and it blinded the disciples. Did you ever think about the fact that for many people, many people are more than just one-dimensional creatures? Think of Albert Einstein, the great mathematician, E equals MC squared. He was also an accomplished violinist and pianist. And uh, remember Bo Jackson, equally as accomplished in baseball and football? And Louis Braille, the guy who invented uh, reading for the blind at the age of three, and later on also an accomplished organist, two-dimensional. The words before us today from Matthew chapter 17 look in on six mountain men who were involved in the transfiguration of our Lord. There is Jesus, as I mentioned before, his face shone as bright as the sun. The disciples couldn't even look at him. And there was Moses, who had died 1,500 years before, returned from heaven to stand before Jesus. And there was Elijah, who had died 900 years before, standing there from heaven with Jesus, God the Father, speaking his loud voice. This is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And I always have to remind ourselves, if you take a look at that, the bulletin cover this morning and see Moses there, you know, 1,500 years ago and carrying those ta uh, tablets and Elijah back from heaven, and you have to remind yourself, it sort of looks surreal, but it is real. Peter, one of the mountain men who was there, said this in one of his epistles. We heard it read before. Sabina read it. When we apostles told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we didn't base our message on clever myths we made, uh, that we made up. Rather, we witnessed his majesty with our own eyes. For example, we were eyewitnesses 
when he received honor and glory from God the Father, when his voice came out of the majestic, God spoke these words, This is my Son whom I love and whom I delight. We heard that voice speak to him from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. It's kind of interesting how St. Peter, as he writes that epistle, he doesn't make a big argument saying, you, you got, this is how it worked, this is all. He just says, simply says, it was there. I was there. I saw the transfiguration, take it or leave it. That the transfiguration took place is a reality. But this morning we want to look in as to why it happened. Conversations were taking place there on the mountain. But conversations had taken place earlier than uh, before Jesus and his disciples uh, uh, walked up that mountain. Two specific uh, uh, conversations that Jesus had with Peter. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? They answered, some say you are John the baptizer, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Later on, from that time on, Jesus began to inform his disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem. There he would have to suffer a lot because of the leaders, chief priests and scribes. He would be killed but on the third day, he would be brought back to life. Peter took him aside and objected to this. He said, heaven forbid, Lord, this must never happen to you. But Jesus turned to and said to Peter, get out of my way, Satan. You are tempting me to sin. You are thinking the way, you aren't thinking the way God thinks, but the way humans think. You see, Peter had the same sort of mistaken idea as was being taught by the church of Peter's day. Religious leaders looked into the Old Testament and they said, oh yeah, uh, God says the Messiah is coming, but we're kind of confused because some of the predictions of the Messiah say that he's going to be a suffering servant. And other pre <clears throat> predictions in the Old Testament say that the Messiah is going to be a powerful king. We are confused. Are there going to be two Messiahs? How could the Messiah be a powerful king and a suffering servant at the same time? Maybe there are two different Messiahs. That's the reason for Jesus' transfiguration on the mountaintop. For the Father and the Son to have the opportunity to reveal the twofold, the two-dimensional personality of Jesus, king and suffering servant at the same time. On that mountaintop, Jesus let just a little bit of his heavenly divine glory show forth and it was so blinding that the disciples couldn't look at it. But with that blinding clarity, the disciples could now recognize who Jesus really was, God in human form standing before them. It's kind of interesting you take a look at another one of the Gospels, Luke. It tells us what Moses and Elijah were talking with Jesus about. Suddenly both Moses and Elijah were talking with him. They appeared in heavenly glory and were discussing Jesus approaching death and what was he was about to fulfill in Jerusalem. You see, the king and the suffering servant were one and the same. 
from that bright cloud, God the Father spoke, This is my Son whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And it's kind of interesting if you take a look at that one short phrase that God the Father spoke from heaven, it sums up all of the predictions of the Old Testament that testified to the Messiah as being the powerful king, the suffering servant, and the sacrifice. Psalm 2. I have installed my own king on Zion. You are my son. Isaiah 42. Here is my servant whom I support. He is my chosen one with whom I am well pleased. And of course, Genesis chapter 22. Later God tested Abraham and called to him, Abraham, yes, here I am, he answered. God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to Mount Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will show you. This is my son whom I love. God the Father was saying, and unlike Abraham, I will sacrifice him and no one's going to save him because he's going all the way to the cross. King of all, suffering servant and sacrifice at the same time. So there was that little group of mountain men, two from heaven, three from earth, to witness Jesus in his divine majesty, God and man at one. Why Moses, I always wondered. Well, he was a mountain man way before this. He went up to Mount Sinai to receive the two tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments. He was even there many years before in front of that burning bush where God said, I am who I am. And then there was Elijah. He went up Mount Carmel to challenge the uh, prophets of Baal. And God, as uh, Elijah prayed, God sent uh, lightning and, and brimstone, and it uh, lapped up that sacrifice on the altar and completely silenced the priests of Baal. And Elijah said, how long are you going to halt between two opinions? If Baal is God, follow him. If God is, is the Lord, follow him. And of course, the disciples, had, who had, they had been previous mountain men too because Jesus preached to them the Sermon on the Mount. You are the salt of the world. You are the light of the world. And so it was on the mountaintop, Jesus displayed his glory. And the disciples were afraid. They were terrified. The application for us in 2020, I think, is obvious. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be terrified. Because we know that the Lord showing his mercy shows his mercy. Uh, when he shows his glory, he shows his mercy. And when he shows his glory and his strength, it is to stoop down and to help us every day. Jesus is both God and true man day after day. This coming Lenten season, once again, we're going to see how Jesus' divinity and his humanity was melded together as he walked to the cross for us. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the palace and gathered the whole troop around him. They took off his clothes and put a bright red cape on him. They twisted some thorns into a crown. 
placed it on his head, and put a stick in his right hand. King and suffering servant at the same time. They knelt in front of him and made fun of him by saying, Long live the king of the Jews. After that, they spit on him. They took the stick and kept hitting him on the head with it. They placed a written accusation above his head. It read, This is Jesus, the king of the Jews, king and suffering servant at the same time. Five mountain men, two came back from heaven, three disciples. But the greatest mountain man of all walked down the mountain and struggled up another mountain, Mount Calvary, to be crucified. Philippians, although he was in the form of God and equal with God, he did not take advantage of this equality. Instead, he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, by becoming like other humans, by having a human appearance, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on a cross. This is why God has given him an exceptional honor, the name honored above all other names. So at the name of Jesus, everyone in heaven and on earth and in the world will kneel before him and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so, as Luther said, I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord. The Transfiguration, displaying the twofold personality of Jesus Son of God, Son of Man, human and divine, humiliated and exalted so that we could become sinner and saint at the same time and one day wake up in heaven where we will be only saints. Beautiful Savior, King of creation, Son of God and Son of man, truly I'd love thee, truly I'd serve thee, light of my soul, my joy, my crown. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.